Hello, and welcome to Miss Genealogy, the podcast, where my number one goal is to get you fired up about family history. Times have changed, and family history isn't just for your grandma. You can sneak it into your everyday life, and the blessings far outweigh any sacrifice, I promise. This podcast is all about connecting to your family, both past and present, and I am so glad that you're here. All right. I am so excited to bring today's guest to you. I have been a longtime fan of Wendy and her husband, and today we are speaking with Wendy Top. So, Wendy, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show today. Well, I'm excited to uh, share with you what I have been experiencing. Yeah, I am so excited to hear about it. So, Wendy, if you don't mind just kind of giving us a little bit of background about you and your family and any other details you want to share with us? Okay. Um, my husband is uh, Brent Top, and we are both from Idaho Falls and um, we have four children and we have 24 grandchildren. Awesome. And uh, they're not, they don't all share our DNA. <laughs> and uh and five of them are step grandkids, so okay, they're all grandchildren to us. So, uh, but it sounds like we have produced more than we have. <laughs> so I <always laughs> qualify that. Um, and my husband um, has taught uh, in the religion college of religion at BYU, and he just finished a stint as dean and. He actually is on sabbatical right now. So we like to say he's semi-retired. We're Mm -hmm. trying to decide whether to retire or not. And I work part-time as a a researcher for Dr. Richard Bennett, who's in the church history department. Oh, so cool. With him for almost six years now on uh, a project, a book on the, and several other projects on the temples, and that ties into my my uh, family history story later on. But mm. uh, so that's something I really enjoy. And uh, then we've also written books together. So yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So I know that um, you and your husband, like you said, have written multiple books together. And one of them is about near-death experiences. And I know that your husband is really into the spirit world. But I'm curious, what kind of, what led you guys to write the book specifically on near-death experiences? What was kind of the catalyst that led you down that path? Um, well, we both love history and, and doctrine, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, many years ago, back in the late 80s, I guess it was, we were just listening to a, a broadcast one night on the radio. It was an interview of uh, Raymond Moody, who had uh, written the book Life After Life. And he had done research on near-death experiences. And mm-hmm. As, he, as they asked him questions and he, he talked about the different experiences that people had, we'd say, oh, that sounds like Mormon doctrine. Oh, <laughs> you know, this experience of this apostle or um, it sounds like, you know, the teachings of Brigham Young or, and it was absolutely amazing to us how closely uh, the things that he was talking about line up with near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Mormon or 
Latter-day Saint doctrine. Right. And, uh, so we decided to, to do some research and our research is all uh, non-LDS uh, material. Okay. So we went back through things that had been published and the more, the deeper the experience, the more uh, it lined up with teachings that were, and some of them very um, small and unusual things that <clears throat> other, you know, that had, weren't taught anywhere else, but um, there was, you know, some passage in, in the scripture or in history that lined up exactly with that. And so wow. uh, we use those as kind of our um, non-biased, you know, set to of experiences to examine. And so our book is um, uh, Near-Death Experiences in Light of the Restored Gospel. Mm. It's a great experience to write it and has, has really had an impact on both of our lives. So yeah, I bet. So I know I kind of talked about this already, but how your husband is fascinated with the spirit world. And I am too. I am absolutely fascinated. And I've read pretty much everything that you're, well, probably not everything, but I've read as much as I can get my hands on of what your husband has written about the spirit world and other quotes from the apostles and prophets. But I'm curious, I'm sure that your husband has taught you a lot and you guys have talked about this subject a lot. So if you could pick just one or two things to tell my listeners about the spirit world or things that are, have really been impactful to you, what would they be and why? Um, yeah, I, and actually, uh, yeah, there, there are two books. One is my husband wrote, it's more of just a devotional book and it's called what's on the other side. <clears throat> but um, I actually was able to do quite a bit of the research and the first book was written, you know, by both of us. Mm -hmm. And um I had a lot of really interesting experiences as I wrote that book and mm. um, was quite aware of the closeness of the other side of the veil. Mm -hmm. The one, th the, the main thing that experiencers always talk about is that love is what reigns in the spirit world. Mm. Um, that, that there Heavenly Father is in charge, and you largely determine what happens to you in the spirit world or what your spirit world experience is going to be like by who you love, how you love, and what you love. Hmm. And you will be with people who have the same love or level of love. That, um, you know, and of course, if you love Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, most of all, that's the, the place where you will be. Um, that's the most beautiful place to be. Those are the best people to be with. And then there, and you will be with whoever, uh, I mean, um, the scripture says, you know, intelligence cleaveth unto intelligence, knowledge cleaveth unto knowledge. And, and that's very literal that you will be with those people. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I, I also would want people who lose a loved one who is not in a good place, not in a, a good state. I would want them to know that the love there is so powerful that 
all of those good people are still ministering mm-hmm. to those who uh, are uh, in darker places or, you know, they're haven't accepted Christ or haven't um, maybe people who, you know, commit suicide. Um, there are always angels ministering to those people and trying to give them their love. And that as soon as they are willing to accept and, and move forward, then they are, you know, able to, and that's, that's one of the beautiful doctrines of the spirit world. Mm-hmm. It's only a partial judgment and it can be changed. And so those are, those are a couple of things I would love people to understand is that, um, there are people on the other side who are able to, to give the, you know, your loved ones more love than they can even receive here. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, yeah, I am just, I love learning about this and reading all that I can. I've already said that, but it's just so, I think it just is such a testimony builder to me to realize, you know, the whole plan, the whole to just take it all in the whole, you know, the plan that God has for us. It's so beautiful and he knows exactly what he's doing. So yeah. And it's perfect. Yes. The other thing I would say is that, as I said, you create your own experience, you receive exactly. Well, of course we all receive more than we deserve, but you reap what you sow and um, the Lord's justice is so perfect, but also his mercy is so perfect. Hmm. Yes. Good, good reminders. Okay. So thank you again for sharing that. Now I would like to just kind of move on to your family history project that you've hinted at already, but I know you've been working on this project for a long time and I would love to hear any details that you want to share with us, kind of the journey that you've been on and anything else you would like to talk about in regards to your project that you've been working on. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, this is something I'm I'm just passionate about, and I think uh, it means more to me than anything else I've I've ever written. Mm. Um, but it does go back. Um, I come from a a home where uh, my mother was not active, my father was not a member, but she had pioneer ancestry. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that until I was taking a genealogy class at BYU, but. Mm. Um, I was always so excited to think that I had pioneer ancestry. And the one thing I knew, my third great-grandparents, uh, Stephen and Harriet Nixon were their, was their, were their names, and um, I knew that she had died along the trail in Iowa. And uh, had always, there, there wasn't any, um, you know, record of where that had happened. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to 2004, my husband was called as a mission president and we were called to Illinois, Peoria. Okay. And uh, it included, it includes Nau- the Nauvoo historic site and parts of Iowa and parts of Missouri. Hmm. And, uh, it, we uh, had not been out on our mission long when we first went into Iowa and I, I knew she had died somewhere between Nauvoo and winter quarters. 
And of course, it was a really stressful time. We were trying to, you know, learn how to do everything and mm-hmm. get up to speed. And so we went into Iowa to a state conference. And <clears throat> I had the strongest impression that she was there with me. Mm-hmm. And so from that point forward, well, it was such a blessing to me. I kept saying to myself, if she can give her life, I can give three years. Right. <laughs> I really felt her with me and watching over me and helping to carry me until, you know, for six months to a year till I kind of got so that I loved the mission and I felt like I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I always wanted to come home and I thought I am going to track see what I can find out about where she died. There was, there were, you know, a few page, these little few page histories that were written by the daughters of the Utah pioneer kind of things. Those are the, that's all we had. Mm-hmm. I came home and I decided I'm going to write a biography of, of them. I've got to write something longer. There's so much more that I could fill in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided to, uh, and I really, I started to pray that, that Heavenly Father would help me. I said, I knew I didn't need it for her temple work because they had their own temple work done. But I, I started saying, please, please just let me know where she died so that we'll all know, you know, what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had that prayer and I started by taking a church history class at BYU from uh, the professor that I now work for. Okay. And um, we had to write a paper. So I thought, I'm going to write about her. And uh, in the meantime, I can be doing some research for this biography I want to write. And so um, I started with what I knew. I knew she was still in Nauvoo uh, in the middle of 1846. And a lot of people don't realize that that the saints did not all leave Nauvoo at once. Mm -hmm. There were about 3000 that went out on that winter exodus that we always read about, but most of them, um, there were about probably 15,000 that just trickled out during the spring and the summer. Mm. And then by the fall of, um, 1846, you had mostly the poor, and those who, those who couldn't sell their property and those who were too sick to travel left in Nauvoo. Hmm. And um, they, uh, that's where my grandmother was, what mo- most likely was, because she'd had a baby still in Nauvoo in July, and she had died along the trail in November of 1846. So they sent, uh, Brigham Young sent what was called poor cramp rescue they called him the poor camp. And oh, I forgot to tell you also. So in, in the fall of 1846, these few sickly and poor people that were left in Nauvoo, the mob would not wait any longer. They were tired. They wanted them out. And so they, they attacked Nauvoo. Hmm. And uh, the Nauvoo Legion, what was left of them, was able to fight them off for a few days. But they finally said, what are we fighting for? We're going to surrender the city anyway. So they surrender and, and supposedly they have a week to get out, but some of the mob wouldn't wait. And so they drove 
the people out at gunpoint. And they were left out on the banks of the Mississippi River, many of them without any shelter at all, terribly sick, many of them, and no wagons, few wagons. And so I did a paper about that and found that there was a, a rescue that not very many people knew about. Hmm. Three of them. And they knew about the first two, but hadn't put together this, this third one. And so I was able to write about that and even publish about it. <clears throat> wow, that's awesome. It was, uh, it was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Unearth this. And then, uh, but, but the important thing about that is that it gave me the clue. He had come and he said he took, he was the last one. And he said, I took the poorest of the poor and the sickest of the sick. Hmm. Had this wonderful story about how as he went along, everyone got better except for one sister who died as they reached Garden Grove. Oh my goodness. And I just felt so strongly that that was my grand, my third great grandmother, Harriet. Mm-hmm. And so I was so thrilled with that. And I, I, but I kept praying, you know, I, I know I can't know this for sure, but if there's any way, well, fast forward to um, the end of that year and uh, brother Bennett wanted to hire me to um, help him with his project because it's about temples. And um, I was a temple worker at the time and he just wanted someone who had a lot of temple experience and could help him, you know, with some of the more sensitive research. Mm -hmm. So I started working for him and about a year and a half later, um, we first started working with some of the, the more, um, should I say this, Um, some of the records at the church history library that are not generally used by the public, private records. Mm -hmm. And um, we walked into a room and they brought us uh, the first record. And um, the very first thing we looked at, he handed it to me and I opened it up. And it was a a record of some marriages and divorces and things like that. The very first page I opened to, it said, Harriet Nixon died November 14th, 1846, Garden Grove, Iowa. Oh, wow. (laughs) It said, recorded at the request of Stephen Nixon. Hmm. This little book hadn't had any, uh, it didn't have deaths in it. Uh, everything else was, um, you know, vital uh, uh, marriages and, and other things like that. Mm-hmm. But the, the man who had um, written the book was a, was a clerk named Thomas Bullock, and he was a dear friend of my great-grandfather wow apparently uh, Stephen had just wanted it written down somewhere because you know there's no graves no markers or anything like that she just mm-hmm. buried and uh, 
So that was a testimony to me that. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. This information found. And since then, it's been remarkable. The, these, you know, my ancestor, he was not a leader or a prominent member by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet he is mentioned, I have found stories or references to him in so many sources as I worked on this church history project. And sometimes I would just, you know, kneel down and pray and say, I sure would like to know this. And lo and behold, (laughs) historical source. And I guess what I would want to tell people is, you know, go to the church history library, search through things that are not on the family history site. Mm-hmm. Even a lot of these things are on the internet and it's just, I'm just flabbergasted at how much I have found specifically about him and, and his family um, in historical sources, because, you know, on this particular project, we've gone through almost everything we can find. So yeah. Yeah, that is such a good reminder and tip. I think that especially when we have a specific person in mind that we're thinking of where you had Stephen and Harriet Nixon and you were very specific about, you know, the people you were trying to find out about. And um, I think that the Lord is just and our angels and all the people in the spirit world, they're just waiting for us to take an interest in them so that they can give us these little tender mercies. And I think that's, yeah, such a just just a beautiful reminder of the miracles that exist and little things that we can find that can help us piece together these puzzles. So that is so, so cool. That's it. Yes, that's it. Exactly. I I really, that's what I've gained from this is that they are there. They want us to know them. And interestingly, I've even, you know, found out some things that really surprised me Uh (laughs) a little bit, but you know, if I, uh, I'm, when I name it, I think I'm going to call it faith enough because they made their mistakes. Yes. And we all do. <laughs> and there they are. They're in the history sometimes, but it makes me think, oh, you know, if they made it, I can make it. And they, they managed to stay faithful in spite of these things. And, you know, what a difference. They weren't perfect, but they managed to stay faithful. And look what a difference it's made you know, for me. Yeah. There's so yeah. Great experience. That is so cool. So are you, did you say you're turning this into a book or what is your, what's your end goal with this? Yes, It will be a book and I, I hope to put it online. Um, I hope to put it online until I can get it, you know, perfected because uh, there is so much, I just keep finding more and more Um, Mm -hmm. I can put in to help people understand not just what they were doing, but what was going on around them and how, you know, how those circumstances must have affected their lives. And, but it is, I'm already, you know, I'm in the 12th chapter already, not super long chapters, but like I said, if you, (laughs) if you really go on a hunt it's remarkable what you can find. And you look at 
you know, you look uh, into um, histories of, like I did the poor camp, you know, what was going on at the time they were there and the people look for diaries or like histories of Provo city I've looked at and look mm-hmm. unusual th- uh, incident and Stephen Nixon was at the center of it. And <laughs> so everything you can think of any kind of history or diary uh, related to that particular time uh, it's just surprising how much is out there and how much they want to help us how much they want us to know them yes yeah I think you brought up I mean you brought up so many good points and I just loved hearing you talk about all of it but I think one thing especially that I love is that you had mentioned you know Stephen and Harriet Nixon they already had their temple work done And you just didn't really know a whole lot about them. And I feel like there's a lot of people who talk to me and they say, either all of my, all of the work in my family tree has been done. So there's nothing for me to do. (laughs) Or they feel, or they feel overwhelmed and they're not quite sure where to get started. And so I love how you said that even though they already had their work done and I, I totally believe in temple work and, you know, trying to do all the work that we can for our ancestors But I also firmly believe in learning about them and uncovering the stories and just getting to know them because I believe, like you, that they're still alive. They're just, we just can't see them right now. Exactly. You know, and I think that's why the church is going out of their way to create so many sources. Mm -hmm. You know, the trail, the immigration, the trail stories the missionary stories all those things are now available and that's obviously not for us just to get their temple work done and check them off right that wants us to and the heart when they say the hearts of the children are turned to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children mm-hmm. that's happening even even more now in in that way not just that we know each other's statistics but that they're on the other side and they're wanting to help us and one of the ways that they're doing that is by helping us to know them yeah and so yeah and to to know the heritage that we have or the legacy or you know just knowing about your family can strengthen you so Mm -hmm. yeah there's so many so many benefits so it's just such a wonderful thing and i I love that you brought that up and I love how you, you started out with a simple, I mean, maybe not simple is the right word, but just, uh, you had a specific task. You wanted to write a biography and fill in the gaps of the details that you had for Stephen and Harriet. And throughout the process, you know, you just had so many little tender mercies and miracles unfold. And so for anyone listening, I, I love to just tell people to pick one, you know, pick a couple in your tree and find someone who you feel drawn to. I think that prayer is such a, is such a huge key part to family history work. And I think that we can be drawn specifically to certain people. And so, so yeah, there's just so many, you brought up so many great points and I'm just so grateful for you sharing all of that with us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's uh, very dear to me. Yes, I can tell. So before I let you go, I would love if there's any last words of advice you have for my listeners, maybe, you know, um, things that you like to encourage people with, maybe if they're feeling overwhelmed or any other parting words of advice that you have would be wonderful. 
Wow. Well, um, yeah, overwhelmed is, is so easy. Uh, like you say, and I think you've already said it well, you know, but maybe, maybe choose someone whose uh, story, either you're drawn to them or their story might bless your children. Mm. That's something, you know, because these growing up in a part member, you know, home mm-hmm. and, and wanting the church in my life, I was so drawn to my LDS ancestors. And, and I appreciate Stephen and Harriet because they were the first, they joined the church in England mm-hmm. here. And that's what I want my children to know is this is dear to me because the church is dear to me. And right. here's what I want you to know about them and why I love them so much mm. because they brought the gospel into my life. And so I guess that's what I would say. If you, you know, if you can find someone who would inspire your children or your family and help them through their, you know, times are getting really difficult. And, uh, yes. Yeah, that's that's such a good reminder. I think I've been reading your um your husband's book, um, What's on the Other Side, because I like I said, I'm just so fascinated by the spirit world. But I think that's one thing. And also um Sister Nelson has talked about this a lot where she talks about angels and you know, being able to ask ask them specifically to help someone in need. So either a child or, you know, a parent or whoever in your family who's struggling. So I think that as we invest in our ancestors, they can, they are then so much more willing and able to invest in us. So absolutely. So beautiful. All right. Well, Wendy, thank you again for coming on the show. It has been such a treat to talk to you. I'm just so grateful for all that you're doing and the example that you are. Well, thank you. I don't know about example, but I can, I can talk anyway. I appreciate you being here so much, and I'm so thankful for all of your support over the last few months and years that I've been doing this. I know it's been a little sporadic over time, but I have decided for now to step away from the podcast and focus on other things. So I am just so grateful for you. And if you want to find more of me and what I'm doing in this family history journey, you can always follow me on social media, send me an email or sign up for one of my online courses, which are amazing. So I've put all of the links in the show notes. I have two more episodes to bring to you before I step away for the time being. And again, I'm just so grateful for each one of you and for your support.